0: This is the Ascending Life with Pastor Josh Blevins of Grace Calvary Chapel.
1: I doubt that I could read commentaries from the 18th century without 90% of the people having no clue what's being said. And that's not an insult to you. I want to put myself into we have dumbed ourselves down biblically. Even though Daniel chapter 12 prophesies that in the last days,
0: leading up to the end of the age, he says knowledge will increase. The gospel is simple at its heart, yet it's likely one of, or maybe the most written about, studied, and discussed subjects in history. We sometimes like to think we've advanced by leaps and bounds in our understanding of scripture, but as Pastor Josh will demonstrate in today's message, the opposite is actually true we've dumbed down the gospel in an effort to make it more accessible. Even the writings of 100 years ago would likely go over most of our heads from a doctrinal standpoint. Now, here's Pastor Josh in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, as he continues his message, Doctrine, What It Is, and Why It Matters.
1: We also get the idea that from a very young age, Timothy was invested in because his mom, maybe his grandma, maybe at synagogue, who knows, taught him the scriptures, taught him the Old Testament and pointed and expressed the apostles' doctrine of how all of these things pointed to Jesus. In other words, Timothy was given a leg up, a foundation on which his ultimate salvation in Christ would be built upon, would come. Now next week, I'm going to answer the question, why should we trust the Bible as God's word? But for today, let's assume we've already come to that conclusion. Follow me logically. If the Bible truly is the uh, exclusive, inspired communication from the only living God to human beings, would it not make sense that we should derive our beliefs our worldview, our morals, our guidance from the scriptures. Doesn't that just make sense? It makes sense. And I hate to say it today, but part of the problem that we see so much false doctrine taking root in people's lives and in hearts, whether that be doctrine in the world or doctrine even within the church, is because I believe that our biblical literacy is at the lowest point probably it's ever been in American history. And here's what's disturbing about that we have more biblical Bible resources available to us than all of the church in all of Christian history combined. At the touch of a fingertip, at the move of a mouse, at the typing of a, of a keyboard, more Christian resources available to us than ever before. And yet, I think it would be safe to say, based on my reading and study of history, That the everyday American teenager in America, 200 years ago, had a more comprehensive Bible knowledge of the faith than most pastors do today. I I doubt that I could read commentaries from the 18th century without 90% of the people having no clue what's being said. And that's not an insult to you. I want to put myself in. We have dumbed ourselves down biblically. Even though Daniel chapter 12 prophesies that in the last days, leading up to the end of the age, he says knowledge will increase. The word means at a rapid pace over a span of years. The amount of knowledge in humanity will increase. And don't we see this to be the case? I mean, think about about how much scientific knowledge has multiplied at unprecedented rates even in the past 20 years. Statistically, it's said that 95% of all the world's data was created in the past four years. Think about that in all of human history. In 1984, 8.5% of U.S. homes owned a computer. In that 40 years, today we have... AI, virtual reality, cryptocurrency, smart systems that control every part of our lives and our homes, social media that connects us instantly to the entire world, and yet in all of our increase in knowledge, our wisdom has decreased, our spiritual sensitivity has become hardened, our knowledge of the Bible and of God and of things relating to his truth has become dumbed down, and it's all a tactic of Satan, which is why I want to really establish a precedent and an exhortation to you families. To you parents who especially have young children, older children, teenage children, grandchildren, I believe it or not, there was a time in our nation, and I'm not saying everybody, but where a lot of people, like this actually meant something to them. The Bible, we read it before dinner, we read it before bed, we read it in the morning. You go to school, and when you go to school, it's your pastor comes and teaches you, or your parents come and teach you, or the local person comes and teaches you, and the first thing you start is you learn the Bible, and you learn the Ten Commandments, and you learn the precepts of God, and you learn the way of salvation. And yet today, I find it tragic that many people's doctrine, listen carefully, many people's doctrine is being formed by Political parties, higher education, the school systems, the entertainment industry, big time, video games, music, social media, influencers, these are the loudest voices. And I want to issue a, a loving warning. Parents, look at Timothy's legacy. Who do you want discipling your kids in their doctrine? Because if you don't, I know someone who gladly will prince of the principality of the air, the godless culture. They will love to indoctrinate, which means to implant doctrine, into your home, into your family's life, into your kid's life. Hey, I'm a guy who's intrigued by politics. I believe sound doctrine calls us all to be involved in the laws and the people that govern our land. You guys know that about me, but I'm still saddened. To see how many Christians today are more concerned about finding a political savior rather than preaching the eternal Savior, it, it troubles me where 's your doctrine? Where are your priorities? There are more things than ever before trying to distort the truth, which is why sound doctrine, rooted in the scriptures that are make us that make us wise into salvation, is so important now. I could put it like this that many people today establish their life doctrine out of an ignorance of God's word rather than a knowledge of God's word. So we need to surround ourselves. Oh, Josh, the Bible's so confusing to me. Josh, I'm overwhelmed when I read the scripture. Welcome to the club. I'm still overwhelmed with the depth of scripture. The deeper I get into the word of God, the more I realize how stupid I am and how little I understand. But don't let that intimidate you from digging in And because here's the thing. It's like the meals you eat. Do you remember what you ate on Uh, March 4th, 6.30 p.m. 1992? I certainly hope not. That would make you a very unique person. But guess what? You don't eat those meals, you starve and die. You don't have to feel like you get something every time you read the Bible. You don't have to feel like you go away from every sermon like, wow, that was just the best thing that ever happened to me. What you do need to do, though, is be faithful. Feed on God's word. Meditate on his precepts. Make notes that you can go back to later and meditate on. Pray through the scripture. Wrestle with the hard questions. Keep doing it. Keep going. Don't give up. Why? Because over time, all of a sudden, you see a discernment and maturity and stability develop in your life. One author put it like this, and I think a very wise observation. God and his ways are not what most of us think. Most of what we are told about God and his ways by our friends or we read about in the paper or view on the television or invent ourselves are wrong. Maybe not dead wrong, but wrong enough to mess up the way we live. The Bible is the great revealing, listen, of the things we could never figure out on our own. You can't navigate life as it should be, sin, temptation, struggle, relationships, without the word of God. It helps us discern and break through all of our myths and misconceptions about who God is. A.W. Tozer, we used to call him, when I was in college reading Tozer, we called him Bulldozer Tozer because he didn't seem to have any care whether or not he ran over you with his words. But he made a good observation. He said, we tend by a secret law of the soul to move towards our mental image of God. This is true not only of individual Christians, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. In other words, human beings, the way they would naturally envision their God is the direction their life's head. And we see this to be true. From the ISIS terror terrorist that's chopping off people's heads, to the prosperity gospel teacher posting a selfie on a private luxury jet after filming his new reality TV show. Their life is moving into the direction of their distorted image of God, their misconception of truth. From the hedonistic Grammy Award winner thanking God for the song he wrote about a one-night stand, just want to thank God, to all the Christian Twitter explosions that go out. Did you see so-and-so thank God? It must be because he's a Christian next to a picture of him in a studio with five girls smoking weed. It's like, what's going on? Well, he said, God. What God are you talking about? What God have you formed? Even atheists who say, oh, I don't believe in God. Well, they believe in God. They just, they just make themselves God, and they make hum- humanity God, and so they develop all their own moral ideas, which, by the way, are not original. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it is interesting that, by the way, anything good that comes from people somehow originated in God. You have to understand that. It's not like humanity invented good. If someone does something good that doesn't know God, it's not because they're good. It's because at some point in their life, they've been influenced by something that God has done. People don't recognize it. I have a whole story on that, but I don't have time today for it. Um, So today, we want to look at this idea that God and his truth are the center, and it defines what we do. The young man or woman who gives up everything to minister to orphans, orphans in Africa, what drives that? The person who gives sacrificially goes out on the street and preaches the gospel, lives, right? It's the word of God. Spurgeon summed up this concept very well. He once wrote in a diary entry, he said, Nothing makes a man so virtuous as belief of, of the truth. A lying doctrine will soon beget a lying practice. A man cannot have an erroneous belief without by and by having an erroneous life. I believe the one thing naturally begets the other. In other words, he says, I believe that what people believe is ultimately how they live. And that ought to be challenging because what happens when we say we believe all the right things and our verbal proclamation lines up with the word of God, but nothing in our life seems to line up with the truth that we proclaim to believe. There's a conflict there that I'm going to talk about more in six weeks. So come back. So sound doctrine... Uh, conforms us to the truth. It roots us in the scripture of God's unchanging truth. Number two, this is a short point, and it might not seem uh, relevant, but stick with me. Sound doctrine conforms us to God's story. Sound doctrine conforms us to God's story. The Bible is a story. It is a story of creation. It is a story of a God outside of time and space, and all created things who dwells in eternity, It is a story of mankind and the nature of mankind and the fall of mankind. It is a story of God's redemption through human history, first through Israel, then by sending his son to be the propitiation and sacrifice for all sins, the resurrection of the dead, the pinnacle of human history, the outpouring of the spirit on the church of Jesus Christ. God's story continues and continues in the world, and it's all centered around the story we find in the Bible. And by the way, the story is continuing, right? We are part of the story. And, and don't stories, does anyone like a good story? I mean, I don't know many 12-year-old kids who don't want to be a Jedi Knight, right? Oh, the Force. Don't know how many little girls want to be a Disney princess. It's horrible. But we get wrapped up. We get wrapped up in a story and a plot. And, and here's the thing about all of these stories. That I, and, and sadly, it's like we, we look at the world, and some people live these stories like they're true stories. Christian God has invited us into the truest story that exists. Like, the truest story. The story that every other story bows to. He has has invited us to be part of his story. The power of the Holy Spirit, the mission of Christ, the coming kingdom. Only the story of God tells us how things were, how things are, and even how things will be. Why do I bring this point up about God's story? Because everyone has a story. Does the prostitute have a story, yes or no? Does the alcoholic have a story? Does a successful businessman have a story? Everyone has a story. In other words, there are stories that want to define our identity. Events, history, abuses, failures, successes, all seek to shape us and form us into some mold. And when we seek sound doctrine, what we're doing is we want to say we are seeking to put our lives in God's story. Why? Because God's story transcends and overcomes every other story and every other narrative. God's story redefines who we are. It sets our feet on the right path. It it gives us the sense to discern all the lies of all the other stories and all the other narratives that are trying to define history and trying to define the present and trying to define my life and trying to define my future. I can come back and say, what does God's story say? And everything else comes into succession or uh, subjection to that story. It takes a back seat and is conformed to God's story. I think this is important, especially today. There was an Austrian philosopher who's no longer living named Ivan Illich. Now, I do not agree with the majority of what this philosopher believes, okay? So don't go look him up and say, oh, Josh recommended this guy. No, I didn't do that. But again, when someone, even a philosopher, speaks elements of truth, ultimately that truth is rooted somewhere in God, because we don't believe the Bible's true. We believe that the Bible is the source of all truth. There's a difference there. It is true, but it's also the source of all truth. But here's what he said. He was asked the question, what is the best way to affect true and lasting change in a society, good or bad? And here was his very insightful answer. He said, neither revolution nor reformation can ultimately change a society. If you want to change a society, you have to tell an alternative story. Think about that. Change history. Change definitions. And I believe that this is what's happening not only in our nation, but in the church. There is a progressive movement that wants to rewrite our history, redefine sexuality, tell a different story about the family, trade absolute truth for moral relativism, just tell another story, say it loud enough, say it passionately enough, preach it long enough, and pretty soon people without an anchor will go along with your story. And here's the awesome truth about the Bible. The Bible is the ultimate and forever true story that subverts and deposes every other narrative. If you don't want to be carried around with, well, what about critical race theory? And what about homosexuality? And what about, you know, social justice? And what about this? And what about that? And what about Catholic doctrine? And what about Mormon doctrine? And I'm so confused. If you want to stay in the right story, go by the right script. The word of God, stay in it, stay grounded and rooted in the word of God. Sound doctrine keeps us in the story of God. And number three, sound doctrine prepares us for the purposes of God. Once again, Tozer writes something powerful. He says, there is scarcely anything so dull and meaningless as Bible doctrine taught for its own sake. Truth divorced from life is not truth in its biblical sense, but something else and something less. In other words, the reason we want to believe the right things is so that we will do the right things. We see a perfect expression of this in Ephesians chapter 2. Look at there, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Who would say that that's a intensely doctrinal statement, right? Saved by grace, through faith, not of your... That's a doctrinal statement about salvation. And the very next words he says, you know it. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, the reason we learn sound doctrine about our salvation is so that we can live sound doctrine in the things that we do, in fulfilling the kingdom purposes, in living for Christ. God still wants us to participate in his story. Reading the Bible is not about information merely, it's about spiritual formation and transformation of our hearts and our lives. Another 19th century Scottish preacher, I'm sorry I'm, I'm quoting so many old dead guys, but they seem to know a lot. Um, George MacDonald, he wrote this, he said, I firmly believe people have hitherto been a great deal too much taken up about doctrine and far too little about practice, for the word doctrine as used in the Bible means teaching of duty, not theory. In other words, God has called us to know, but also to be. I had a friend friend that I had a conversation once put it like this to me. He said, the purpose of doctrine is not merely that we know what the Savior knows, but we do what the Savior does. I think that's a really good way to put it. And, And this is reflected at the end of our passage, for if you look again at 2 Timothy 3, verse 17, Paul tells us the ultimate outcome. He says that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for what? Every good work. Doctrine equips us to live out the purposes of God in our lives. So as we consider all of these things, I may have simply restated myself multiple times in this sermon, but to this important end, what you believe about God matters. Don't settle for the, well, I go to church and I believe in Jesus and that's good enough for me. No, let's go deeper Let's discover what God has for our lives. Let's discover the things that are going on in the spiritual world around us. It matters because you will either align your story with God's story or you will end up being defined by another story. It matters because it will prepare you to partake in God's plan or miss out on God's plan altogether. Sound doctrine. And I would encourage during this study that we all possess the humility To keep our convictions and beliefs and practices subject to what we discover in the word of God. Always being moldable, unshapable to the truth of God. I don't know about you, but I don't, as a pastor, I don't ever want to be guilty of discovering that something I believed for a long time is contrary to the word of God. And I say, well, I'm still going to hold to it because so-and-so said it. Or this is how I grew up. Or this is what my church taught me when I was a kid. I want to be able to fully say to the Lord on that day, as as much as I might get it wrong, Lord, my heart was to be grounded and steadfast in your word. I want to honor you. I want to bless you. I want to be effective and fruitful for your kingdom. That's what doctrine really is all about. It's not so that we can boast, oh, we've got it all right. We've got all the answers. Other churches should be like us. No, it's because we want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, as Paul said in Romans 12, that we might prove what is that good an acceptable and perfect will of God. So let us dig deep and dig thoughtfully as we move through this passage and through this series. I encourage you again to invite someone out who might be a skeptic or might have arguments against the Bible. I think we'll cover some good ground next week as we look into this. But we certainly have a good foundation. And I think for most of you in here, you would say, um, I've experienced the power of God's word at work in my life. And and it is. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. So why don't we close in a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you for your great love for us and for the truth. We understand that truth might be sometimes hard to discover and hard to discern, but we do believe that truth exists, that it's not relative, it's not your truth, my truth, whatever truth, but the truth. And the truth, of course, being Jesus. All of your words, everything you've said. Everything you've done, the scriptures you've inspired and left to us that communicate your heart, your will, your nature, your character. Lord, we want to bow the knee, as it were, to the truth of God in our lives so that the truth spoken in love might cause us to grow up into the head who is Christ. So Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We pray that you go before us as we leave this place today, filling us with your Holy Spirit afresh and anew, that we would not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled continually with the Spirit. Lord, show us your will. Show us the people around us that need to be served, touched, ministered to, loved, and give us the courage and boldness to stand for you in this dark and wicked day and age. We love you. We pray all these things in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen.
0: You've never heard a truer word spoken than the message given by Pastor Josh Blevins as he spoke in today's edition of The Ascending Life. In case you're hearing us for the first time, we're a ministry out of St. Joseph, Missouri. And like so many outreach programs, it wouldn't be possible without the generous donations of people like you. All we ask is that if your heart was touched today by Pastor Josh's message, and you feel led to further the truth of the gospel, would you consider clicking on the Giving tab located at our website, theascendinglife.com. If you're interested in getting to know us a little better, go to the About link located at the top of our page, theascendinglife.com. Or watch us online via Facebook. While you're there, check out all the other avenues to get into God's Word. There's even some options for when you're on the move. Under the Media tab, you'll notice links to podcasts and our YouTube channel. That website again is TheAscendingLife.com. As it's our desire to point you to Christ, it's also our wish that you would simply feel free to talk with us. If your heart is heavy with life or full of praise, just dial 816-279-2090. That number again is 816-279-2090. We look forward to hearing from you. Friends, there's no better place than to be here learning about the life-giving Savior who is Jesus. So, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for taking the time to listen to this broadcast of The Ascending Life.
1: we We're, We're pressing in.